It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit we eagerly await, by faith, the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for these agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. This fall, we've been studying the New Testament book of Galatians, which is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to some early churches. And today's passage discusses a topic that I think is probably important to everyone in this room. Today's passage is about freedom. Um, One dictionary has uh, defined freedom as the power or right to act, speak, or think as one wants, without hindrance or restraint. That's freedom. And I I think most of us here would say, that's what I want. I want freedom. We we don't want to be under the control of someone or something else. We don't want to be restricted from accomplishing our goals. We we don't want to be forced to be someone we're not or to do something that we have no desire to do. We, it, would you just agree with me that we want to be free? And that's what this passage is talking about. So as we look at this, I'm going to break my thoughts into three categories just so you can follow along. First, I want to talk about the gift of freedom, all right, the gift of freedom. Then I'd like to discuss some threats to freedom, some things that put our freedom in danger And then finally, um, how we can stay truly free. So the gift of freedom, some threats to freedom, and then how how to stay free. So we'll start with the gift. Um, The Bible tells us that when you turn from your sin and you trust in Christ and you receive him as your savior, among the many things that he gives you is this. He gives you freedom 
That's his desire to give you freedom. When Jesus uh, began his ministry in Luke chapter 4, he was in a synagogue and, in his, and, he, and he read from the book of Isaiah and he read these words. He said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor and he has sent me to proclaim freedom, freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. And he said, and to set the oppressed free. So Jesus, in other words, Jesus he defined his ministry as being one of setting people free. John chapter 8, verse 36, he said, If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 says, Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? There is freedom. So, guys, just understand this. God's desire for us in Christ is to bestow upon us the gift of being free, the gift of freedom. And you see that in today's passage, both, both at the beginning and at the end of the passage. Verse 1 says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And then verse 13, you, my brothers and sisters, you were called to be free. So in, in Christ, God's desire is for us to be free. And here's the reason I point that out. The reason I point that out is because there is, there is a very common misperception that a lot of people feel inside. Have you ever felt this? There's a common misperception that if you, if you really give your life to Jesus Christ, just unreservedly say, God, I'm, I'm yours. Christ, I'm yours. There's a fear that if you do that, he will take freedom away from you. He will stifle your individuality. He will, he will put an end to all your joy. He will, he, he will bind you up with all kinds of meaningless rules and restrictions. Have you ever felt that? Have you ever, a lot of people have struggled with that fear, and, and uh, it's very common to experience it. And, and so what I just want to tell you, and I don't know if you believe this or not today, but what I want to tell you is if you read the Bible, you will discover that, listen, that is not, that is not God's intention at all. The Bible says that God created you in his own image, meaning, among other things, that God designed you, God designed every human being for dignity, not servitude, dignity and honor and significance and freedom. God designed you for freedom. And when he works in your life through Jesus Christ, that's a gift he wants to give you. The gift of freedom. So, the apostle in this passage is talking to some Christians to whom God has given this gift, and he's warning them of things that might place that gift of freedom in jeopardy. And that's the second point I want to talk about. Two particular, two particular threats to the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. Two, two, two things that put our freedom in Christ in peril. And um, theologians will often use two specific terms to refer to these two different threats. They, they will call them the threat of legalism and the threat of license. I don't know if you've heard these terms before. So legalism is what's, what's talked about in verse 1 through 12 of this passage. And, and legalism is when a person feels somehow inside that they need to do something to make themselves acceptable and that the way for them to do that is through um, 
following certain laws, certain legalities, certain rules. And listen, these might be rules you find in the Bible. They might be rules that people make up. They, 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 they might be rules that you impose on yourself. They might be rules that other people impose on you. They, they might be um, ro- rules that are uh, officially written down, codified for your community of faith. Or they might just be kind of unwritten rules that everyone understands. But either way, legalism is when you, somehow you, you, you fall into this way of thinking that, um, that you need to prove your acceptability. You need to prove your value, prove that you're a good person through your performance, through what you do or you do not do. Now, as we've been saying for the last few weeks, Galatians was written to some Christians who came from a Gentile background, and they were being told by certain teachers that if they really wanted to know that they were acceptable in the eyes of God, then they needed to comply with certain rules that um, in the Old Testament had applied to the people of Israel. They they needed to uh, just follow these rules, and chief among these rules, they were told that if they as a community wanted to be acceptable in the eyes of God, then all the men had to be circumcised. Now listen, I, as a surgical procedure, I don't think God really cares if men are circumcised or not. He's like, you know, leave that to the urologist. I don't really care. So as a, as a, as a surgical procedure, I don't think God cares about that. But listen, when circumcision, as in, in, in their context, when it is being presented as a legalism, as a way to prove your acceptability, prove your value, prove that, that God loves you, prove your worth. Listen, in a, when it's presented like that, God has a big problem with it. And I'll tell you why. Because any kind of legalism, any kind of way to prove your worth in the eyes of God is a threat to your freedom in Jesus Christ. So Paul writes, starting at verse 2, he says, Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he's obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law, you've been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. And here's what he's saying. He's saying, guys, listen. If you start down that road of trying to prove your worth, prove your goodness, prove your acceptability by what you do. He said, listen, you have just accessed a highway from which there are no exits. You go down that road, he says, you will never get off of it. You will, ne- you will find that you can never do enough, no matter how much you do. I mean, they're starting with circumcision, but they'll have something else tomorrow. He said, no matter, no matter how much you do, if you're trying to be justified, um, prove your worth through your keeping of the law. He said, the law will always demand more. And this is true, not just in, in, in religious context. Listen, if, um, if your sense of acceptability, your sense of self-worth, for example, comes from your success in your career, listen to me. You will become a slave to your job. Your your employer will work you to death. And when you die, they will just hire someone else. They won't care. You will will be enslaved to your job. You'll be checking your email on, on vacation. Some of you do that. 
If, if, if your sense of value comes from your career or if, if your sense of your self-worth comes from your physical appearance, listen, you will live in constant fear of getting old. You will live in constant fear of gaining weight. You will live in constant fear of, you know, not being in, in the latest style. Or if your sense of, of, of uh, acceptability comes from keeping people in your life happy. Listen, you will be imprisoned by your, the opinions of others. You'll, you'll find yourself not free anymore. And, and to kind of bring it back to the context of Galatians, if Christian your sense of worth comes from your moral performance. I'm a good person. I do good things. When you sin, and believer, you will sin, your only companion will be despair. You, you, you won't know what to do. And so when Paul talks here about warning them not to be circumcised, he, he's not trying to be, scold them. He's just, guys, I want you to be free. I don't want you to somehow feel that you have to prove your worth by what you do. Because if you do that, you will wind up in servitude again. You will wind up slaves. So he says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. Do not let yourselves be yoked, burdened again by a yoke of slavery. It, it, he's just saying, don't let those guys tell you that you need to prove your value by what you do. Now why, let me ask a question. Why is it that Christians know that we don't have to prove our value by what we do? Because of what it says in verse 5. It says, through the Spirit, this is the description of the Christian life, through the Spirit, we eagerly await by faith, the righteousness for which we hope. And that there's a lot there, but this is saying, guys, as Christians, our righteousness, our acceptability in the eyes of God, listen, it has nothing to do with us. It doesn't come from us. It's not something that we've, we produce through our effort. Our, our acceptability in the eyes of God, our confidence that whenever God looks at us, he breaks into a smile. Listen, it is based on the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is all based on him. So if we have him, do you have Jesus? If you've trusted in him, you do. If you have Jesus, you got nothing to prove. Ever. God, God is pleased with you because of him. So one, one threat to our freedom in Christ that he warns them about is legalism. The other one is license. And, and, and license is basically when a, a Christian says, hey, Jesus died for my sins. I'm covered. I'm forgiven. I have a license now to do whatever I want. I can do whatever I want. And the apostle here, he's going to get more into this in, in the passage that follows. We'll look at next week. But he's again saying, guys, listen. That also will lead you to slavery. It will take away your freedom. He says, verse 13, you, my brothers and sisters, you were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Don't, in other words, he's saying, guys, if you just give full reign to, uh, to the indulgence of your sinful desires, your, your, your fleshly passions, he says, here's what's going to happen. Pretty soon, those sinful desires will own you. They will, here, here's an example. Let's say a Christian says, I don't want God telling me what I can say or not say. When I'm angry, I'm going to get it off my chest. Not good to keep that inside and not bottled up. So when I'm mad, I'm just going to let it fly. 
pretty soon here's what's happened. You find that you can't control your anger anymore. And then after a few months, you find that your anger actually controls you. You're not free to love your family, forgive your friends, and, and, and deal with, with, with uh, inconveniences, with patience. You're not free anymore. Your anger owns you. Another example, if, if, uh, if someone says, I don't want God telling me what I can look at, what I can't look at. If I want to look at porn, I will look at it. Okay, go right ahead. Here's what will happen in a few months. You will not be free to stop looking at it. It will own you. And you say, I wish I could stop, and you won't be able to. Or another example, unforgiveness. Jesus, Jesus says, you have to forgive people. He says, I forgave you. You have to forgive people when they sin against you. And you might say, but I don't want to do that. Who's God to tell me I have to forgive somebody? I want to carry this grudge around with me. Pretty soon you will not be carrying that grudge. It will be carrying you in its pocket. It will own you. You won't be able to stop being bitter. And so the apostle here, he's just warning them. He's, guys, listen. I want you to be free. I want you to be free. If you, um, with legalism, you lose your freedom. With license, you abuse your freedom. Either way, you wind up a slave, and it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. So these are the two threats, and we have to be, just be conscious of them. Be alert to them. Whenever we, and we, we will find ourselves kind of falling off, you know, one side or the other, immediately run to Jesus and say, oh, Jesus, forgive me, please. I started to just use your grace as a, as a doormat to wipe my feet on, just a license to sin. Forgive me. Call me back. Or you, you find yourself drifting into some kind of legalism. Here's how I know I'm becoming legalistic. I, I find myself being very self-righteous and judgmental of people who don't follow the rules that are easy for me to follow, right? If you find yourself over there, you run to Jesus again and say, oh, Jesus, forgive me. But... Keep me from that threat. I want to be free. So these are the threats to this wonderful gift of freedom. Now, the final thought that I have is how, all right, how can we stay free? Uh, you know, we have these two dangers to our freedom. They're constantly there. How can we just remain free in Christ? And I think the answer, or at least a clue to the answer to that, is found in verse 6. This is a key verse in this passage. Verse 6, Paul says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. And then he says this, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. And when he says expressing itself through love, he's saying, this, the only, he's not just talking about um, faith, you know, some kind of intellectual um, assent to historic Christian creeds, not just talking about faith that expresses itself through your words it, it's it's real faith it expresses itself through through love right it's faith in jesus christ that changes your life so here's the big question 500 years ago the reformers they wrestled with this question what does it mean to have faith in jesus christ if he, he says the only thing that counts is faith faith in jesus what does it mean to have faith in jesus as the reformers um, wrestled with that, they, their, their one basic answer again and again was this. Here's what it means to have faith in Jesus. You trust him. You, it just means to trust him. You trust him as your savior, meaning you, what you do is you look to what he did on the cross and you trust that because of that, I am forgiven of all my sin. You trust him as your savior and 
and you trust him as your Lord. You trust him to be your king. You, sub you submit your life to his direction. You submit your life to his control. You trust him and you have freedom. Now, I'm just going to pause and say that really, that sounds strange. Did that sound strange to you? For me to say the way to be free is to submit to the control of Jesus as your Lord. I mean, the question you're going to ask is, how, how does that make any sense? How can submitting my life to someone else's control give me freedom? It seems like the exact opposite of freedom. Well, I would say this. There are different kinds of freedom. Different kinds. Let me illustrate. Let's imagine that a woman comes up with a new invention, some great kind of technology, some new product. It is just fantastic. No one has ever thought of this before. She gets a patent for her new idea, and she has a dream of manufacturing this product and marketing it and selling it in stores all across the nation and in the process becoming a very wealthy woman. All right? The problem is she doesn't have any resources to make that happen. I mean, to manufacture on that scale requires a, you know, a big investment of money. She doesn't have any money. To market in that way requires all kinds of expertise. She doesn't have that expertise. To get it into the stores, you have to have lots of, uh, a whole lots of contacts, networks that she doesn't have. So, see, she has a dream, but she is not free to see that dream become a reality. She is not free to flourish in that way. So what does she do? She goes on Shark Tank. You ever see that show, Shark Tank? Anybody see that? I love that show. Shark Tank is a reality show where if you have an idea, a new invention, something that you would like to turn into a, you know, big, you go on this show and there's this panel of, um, I guess they're very, very successful men and women in the business world. And you show them your idea and see if any of them will invest in your idea and turn you into some kind of big um, production. So let's imagine she goes on Shark Tank. She demonstrates her product. She does her song and dance about how great this is. And one after another, all of the investors bail out. I'm not interested. It's too risky. I'm not into that kind of thing. But there's one investor. Let's imagine it's Mark Cuban. You know who Mark Cuban is? He, he's, let's imagine this. He's listening to her. His eyes light up. He starts to smile. He's just staring at her. And he says, you've got something. Ma'am, you have something. I believe in you. I believe in your idea. I think this could be really, really big. So he says, listen, I'll tell you what, I will give you all the money. I'll invest all the money you're asking for. And if we need more, there's more where that came from. And, and, and uh, I, I have expertise in, in, the, in marketing this kind of product. So I will coach you every step of the way. And I've got networks you can't believe. I can pick up the phone. This will be on the shelves of Macy's in a month. Believe me, I can turn you into a very wealthy woman. We can do something with this idea. He says, but here's the catch. I, I, I will need to own 51% of your company because even though this will make millions for you, there, for this thing to work, there will be some occasions where I'm going to have to call the shots. And you're going to have to trust me, but I will have to call the shots. Now, if you've ever seen Shark Tank, the camera pans to this woman's face She's thinking about, should I take this deal or not? And in that moment, she is actually, you know what she's doing? She's choosing between two kinds of freedom. 
She's choosing between what I would call the freedom to flourish, the freedom to, to accomplish her goals, the freedom to become something she never was before, to see this dream become a reality, the freedom to flourish, or the freedom to be her own boss. Even if that means she says no to Mark Cuban and she's working out of her garage for the rest of her life and she does, never does nothing more than just sell the little product at street fairs on, on weekends and, and barely pays the rent. At least she's in charge of her own life. You see, there are different kinds of freedom. There's a freedom to flourish and grow and do amazing things. Or there's a freedom to be in control. And I would say that the difference between those freedoms is it's really a, a difference in focus. So if you want the freedom to be in control, this is basically you're thinking about what you are free from. I am free from um, obligation. I am free from constraint. I am free from external demands imposed on my life. I am free from these things. If you choose freedom to flourish, it's not a freedom from. It's a freedom for. Your, your, your idea is not I, don't, not, I just want to be released. Your idea is I want to be empowered. It's a freedom for what? A freedom um, for uh, reaching my potential by developing my gifts for the glory of God. A freedom for building meaningful community by loving others the way I love myself. A freedom for... Um, healthy relationships in my life because I'm empowered to serve others. So there's these two different kinds of freedom. And, and I would say that Jesus, when he comes to you and says, if you will bow before me as your Lord, I will set you free. He is offering you the freedom to flourish. To listen, to be what God, your creator, designed you to be. To love like you never thought you could love before. To have courage to live boldly in this unjust world. To, to, to bear fruit that's, that in your life that when people see it, they, they, they do a double take and they stop and they think about the goodness of God. A freedom not from restrictions. A freedom for glory. Freedom to flourish. That's the kind of freedom Jesus offers. But he says, in order for me to give that, there will be occasions when you're going to have to let me call the shots. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to trust me, he says. Now, on Shark Tank, I don't, listen, I don't know if you can really trust Mark Cuban. I don't know if you can trust those people. I mean, they're not called sharks for nothing, right? They didn't, they, didn't be, they didn't become billionaires by being nice to others. So it could be that they're talking about how they're going to make you rich, and they just really want to steal your idea and make, become rich themselves. I don't know if you can trust them. But guys, Jesus has nail scars in his hands. He has nail scars in his hands. Do you think that you can trust him to have your best interest at heart? Do you think you can trust that he loves you, that he's not out to destroy you? Christian, he died for you. So when he comes and says, bend your knee before me as your king, submit your life to my control, I will give you freedom to flourish like you never imagined. I think he's someone you can trust. 
C.S. Lewis said the consequence of parting with our last claim to freedom is real freedom. That's what you get through Jesus. So it is, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. My brothers and sisters, you were called to be free. God wants to give you the gift of freedom. How, how, do, you, how do you get that? How do you keep it? Um, the only thing that counts is faith. You bend before Jesus and you trust him and you say, I'm yours. Let's pray and ask for grace from God to do exactly that. You are the king who sets his subjects free. Sometimes, Lord Jesus, our hearts struggle to believe that. So today as we come to the table and we're reminded again of the price you paid for us, would you, through your Holy Spirit, um, fill our hearts with the kind of faith that can trust your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.